With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the SG Tour Report podcast from Secret Golf and I'm Diane Knox. This week could feel like um, a bit of a deflation, I guess, after the Masters. But if you're feeling that way, don't worry about it. Only five months to go until the next time we see Augusta National. And Dustin Johnson will be defending with that green jacket. What a victory. So today on the podcast, well, we're going to be talking about that briefly. We'll talk about the incredible play from DJ. Also some other guys who really just shone around Augusta National and carded brilliant finishes. And then um, we have to touch on Bryson DeChambeau, who was the favourite heading into the week. But well, it was not to be, was it? Far from it. This week on the PGA Tour, it's the RSM Classic in Sea Island, Georgia. So not far from Augusta. And because of that, the field this week is impressive. We're going to be going through the entire field, looking at the course at Sea Island. It's actually two courses this week, but the skill set required to do well. And then we will give you our SG Tour report. We'll tell you our 10 guys in the win zone, some sizzlers who are pretty good value value picks and then of course those dark horse picks last week we had cam smith actually we've had top five finishes for our dark horse picks for the past three weeks and uh, this week we've got amazing odds on what well, especially one of them so i'll be joined by jay kaplan in a little while to talk about that but first of all steve elkington and this is the sg tour report for the rsm classic I mean, after what we saw in Augusta, Georgia, we're onto the RSM Classic this week. In um, we're, we're staying in Georgia, obviously. But how about Dustin Johnson winning that green jacket? Yes, uh, he was too good, too strong, Diane. Once we once Dustin Johnson seems to get going and starts to play well, we saw it at the end of the FedEx Cup. He almost makes the Masters almost look boring because we know that. Nothing's going to happen. He even laid up yesterday or, or laid up on Sunday uh, on holes 13 and 15 and still made birdie on both those holes with his wedge. So he has it all, Diane. He has power. 
he can curve the ball left to right, right to left. He hits his irons good and he's putting well. So he's just so calm. On the other hand, we had Bryson DeJambeau very heavily favored. It was kind of a blown experiment, if you will, Diane. He, uh, in, a, in an age where everything is measurable, his driving accuracy, distance, launch monitor, everything is measurable. But it seemed like Bryson um, sort of lost his, he, the things he can't measure, anxiety, bad decisions, um, you know, making terrible mistakes, we saw all, and I wonder, Diane, if it's time for him to go back and think, what would Jack Nicholas do with that kind of power? Mm-hmm. Would he be able to harness it a little bit better than Bryson's doing? Because he's kind of going for it on every shot. Mm-hmm. And there had been so much hype in the run-up to the Masters, like you said. I mean, he was clear a favourite and had been for months because he was talking about the fact that he didn't see it as a, what did he say? He thought of it more as like a par 67 course. And he was talking about his strategy and how he was going to try completely different things around the course that we'd never seen before. And he even said that Tiger Woods had talked to him before the week got underway to say like, listen, there's all this hype around you. This is how you have to kind of like try and deal with it and internalize it and focus on the job in hand. But it clearly got too much for him. And then he started talking about the fact that he felt dizziness out on the course. So, I mean, obviously we hope he's okay, but you're right. He obviously has to like try and manage all the external factors too. Clearly Bryson DeChambeau had a chance, just like Tiger Woods did in 1997, to completely psych out the rest of the tour players. I mean, before the Masters started, everybody's were on Bryson. Where's he driving it? And he's kind of blown that. He's out of everybody's head now. They know he's human. They know he makes tons of mistakes. He even got rolled by a 63-year-old <laughs> senior player on Sunday who, who hit the ball 80 yards shorter than he did off the tee. Bernard Langer, as we're talking about, who beat Bryson DeChambeau on head-to-head the last day. So talking to Jason Duffner, he even, Jason was even going for a little bit more speed. I think Jason's about 42 or 43. And he said the easiest way to get all that speed is to hit up on that ball with his driver. And as Bryson's quest to hit up on it so much, he also hits from the inside of it. And Jason Duffner was looking at that little screen that Bryson shows off so prominently on the driving range when he shows how far it is. And he noticed that the, the, the in to out was about nine degrees. Well, nine degrees, you know, as well as I do on a compass, nine degrees is a long way to the right. So how does he bring it back? He's got to add a little hands. And we saw some, you know, Bryson hitting it in the trees, right? We saw him lose a ball. We saw him hit wedges over the green. So he's got to close that club on the way through. And honestly, Diane, he had me convinced he was going to win the Masters, but I did have Justin Johnson, John, and JT right behind him. And, of course, SG Tour Report picked the great Cameron Smith, the Aussie, who finished second last week. So that was a great, great for us. Yeah, he was one of our dark horse picks. And Justin Johnson, we had him at number three in our ranking, but we always say the guys that are in that top 10 in the win zone, you know, they are they are the guys. Any of them, it would be very, it would be easier for them, put it that way, for, uh, to go on and win. And Justin Johnson, the only thing that we had as a slight question mark over him was the fact that he had COVID, he came back, he played the Houston Open and, of course, finished top five. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was amazing to see. And we got to see a little bit more of that emotion from DJ, which we'd never really seen before. People kind of think that he's one of these naturally gifted guys that doesn't work too hard and just goes out and plays amazing. But it, it shows that he does and just how much it means to him. Yeah, I mean, I met Dustin Johnson the first day he ever came on tour in San Diego, um, played with him. And uh, it's good to see he's got a lot more discipline in his life. Of course, children will do that to you. Uh, family commitments, you know, he's really committed. He won the FedEx Cup. Um, you know, it's interesting, Dustin Johnson, that um, he is able to spread himself away from the rest of the players. He's just relentless. The drives he was hitting on the back nine, 17, 18, he make these holes look so easy coming in on Sunday. Um, I thought the Masters looked okay in November. I'm certainly, I thought the greens were too soft. Some JM was became a star. Cameron Smith popped out, and he's a bit of a star now. So, but when I see players like some J on number eleven on Sunday fly a ball to the back edge of number eleven, that would have gone straight into Ray's Creek in the spring, but it stopped right on the back fringe. That's fine. That was what they, that was the conditions I had to play with. But I'm certainly looking forward to get back to the spring when it's a little firmer. Exactly. And we don't have long to wait. I mean, Masters in April, it's like, what, five months away. So this week, it's the RSM Classic in Sea Island in Georgia. And that's the uh, the tournament that we're going to be looking at this week for the SG Tour Report. Now, it's good because the field is excellent this week. It's very interesting to see a lot of the big name players. I mean, it's only a short drive from Augusta to Sea Island, but a lot of the big names are there. We only have a couple more weeks left of um, this 2020 year for the guys to play. So um, our report is going to be fun this week. Yeah, much different week this week, Diane, as you noted, um, still in Georgia. Um, <clears throat> it's a very hospitable week this week. It's a beautiful place, Sea Island. I've been there myself. The clubhouse is fantastic. Lots of big oak trees and Spanish moss and very relaxed. The players will enjoy uh, some good scoring this week. I've played the golf course. Normally speaking, about 20 under par wins this event. And it takes, you know, it takes a certain skill set that we're going to get to in this show today. But it's all about ball striking down here because there is rough. There is places you can get in trouble. The fairways are quite wide. It gets windy down on Sea Island. We are on an island. But there's this palmetto. It's, it's either you're in the fairway or you're maybe lost a ball because it's that kind of course. It's, think, uh, Diane, think 18 at Hilton Head, that wide expanse with all the marsh around it. Think that all day. I know. And a lot of the tour players live in Sea Island. It's a very desirable place. And quite a few of the Secret Golf contributors that we have, they live there too. So we're going to be talking about that as well. And of course, that's going to be a bit of a factor. But the tournament this week is played over two courses, the Seaside course and the Plantation course. Three rounds on the Seaside. The guys will attack the Plantation course once. And um, last year, it was a playoff between Webster and Tyler Duncan and it was Tyler who was victorious for his first PGA Tour victory. Webb Simpson's name pops up a lot and I have a good feeling the same will be happening today. How will the guys be feeling? Obviously you know this event coming off the back of the Masters a lot of the guys have made that short trip to Sea Island to play this week and we're nearing the end of 2020 before the break. Yeah I think there's uh there's a lot of interesting storylines that we're going to discuss on this 
this week. I personally, Diane, I sort of know the formula that it's going to take to play well at this course. We know the scoring is going to be low. So I want to take players that have things going for them. Okay. One, have superb stats. And we, we have a few in here that are really at the top of the whole PGA Tour as far as making birdies and making putts. Those two are really important. Um, we also know that how do you do – how do you put together a 20-under scorecard for the week? You've got to drive it straight and you've got to hit a lot of greens. We've seen over the last five years of this tournament, Diane, guys who won it have hit around 80% of the fairways – 80% of the greens, and they putted really well. So when we squish all this together, we're looking – I'm looking for two things in particular. I'm looking for outstanding stats from some of the players, but I'm weighing heavily this week on momentum, okay. Diane. Who has – who's naturally right now playing excellent golf that's going to walk right into this tournament, close their eyes and swing, and finish up at the top of the leaderboard? When I say close their eyes, I mean they're playing automatically very well. Mm -hmm. And we've said it for quite a while now, especially, you know, once the majors kind of got rolling again after the restart, that we've almost had two different fields of guys playing each week. The the big names that are in all these events that are playing in the majors, we're playing in the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then the other guys that are using this fall season to really get a head start heading into the 2021 calendar year. This week, which is cool, is we've got a bit of a mix of both, and then a week off, and then it's Maya Koba. And then that's pretty much the, the end of the year for these guys. So a lot of them are going to be thinking, like, this is my time to really get those valuable FedEx Cup points. Yeah, there's no doubt. The season's been very strange. As you noted, that um, tons of these guys, Diane, have been playing in Bermuda. They've been playing, you know, next to, down in Mexico next week. They feel like it's been two different tours, like Corn Ferry and, and the PGA. All the big-name players were out at the Zozo in L.A. playing no-cut, you know, $100,000 guarantee, getting ready for the Masters. It's been very different. Um, but these opportunities, of course, your brother who's playing, who's starting to play well again, he understands this. Um, they've extended the 2021 season or the 2020 season into 2021 so that the guys, there's not so much pressure on them. Normally speaking, at the end of the year, you're trying to keep your card for next year. That pressure is not on this week. So, um, you know, this course, this this whole scene down in Georgia is all about scoring. Okay. So the key stats that we're looking at this week for the course um, are driving accuracy, greens in regulation, scrambling, putting average and birdie average. As you say, the guys that are hitting the greens and the guys that are making the putts. So we're going to go through our top 10 in the win zone. And the guy that comes out at number one, it's no surprise. We've uh, we've had him in like the top five of our win zone a lot. And it was only a matter of time really before he moved all the way up there. And his stats are incredible. We're talking about Russell Henley. Finished 29th at the Houston Open, but before that had finished fourth and third in his last two events. And Elk, I mean, looking at this guy's numbers, unbelievable. Yeah, well, <clears throat> how, you like the, how would you like to walk into a tournament with this set of stats right here? He's in the top 15 drivers on the PGA Tour. Once he gets it in the fairway, he's in the top 10 at hitting the greens from there. If he misses a green, he's in the top five at scrambling. And he's putting, he's in the top, he's in the top 40 in putting. Mm -hmm. um, Diane, he also makes it birdies. He is poised and he is sitting right on top uh, as the best set of stats 
honestly, that I've seen in quite a while. So Russell Henley has won twice before on tour, once in Hawaii and once at Honda. Interestingly enough, Diane, both those courses are kind of windy and kind of out near the water. So no surprise that we've got Russell Henley up on top this week. Excellent. And as you say, amazing stats, current form, so good as well. Coming in at number two is a guy that you mentioned in the first segment. And um, I know how impressed you've been with him since he started on the PGA Tour, but no more so than you are right now after seeing him play around Augusta National. And that is Sung JM, who finished runner up behind Dustin Johnson last week. Well, I think. Our own Jason Duffner told us that when the President's Cup was going to Australia last year, we were all saying, who's some JM? And he said, this guy probably hits the ball more solid than anyone on the PGA Tour. And and he was a rookie last week at Augusta playing with Dustin Johnson the last day. And how good did he play? Dottie Pepper was walking uh, uh, on the golf course with him. And literally that shot tracer that come out of Sanjay's uh, driver It was literally splitting the fairway on every shot. It was amazing. So honestly, uh, for those um, this week, I just think that he is playing so well. His swing is so online. From my view, technically speaking, it's so good. He seems to putt better than he used to, Mm -hmm. and I'm high on this guy. This would probably be my pick this week, Samjang Im. And he won the Honda Classic at the start of 2020. Um, that was his first win. So, yeah, as you say, you know, watching him, you're like, this guy can't miss. So straight every time. Superb ball striking. So this could be a brilliant week from the guy that we know that he doesn't get fatigued. He likes to play every single week on the PGA Tour. And he's got to be feeling confident. I mean, he's, uh, you know, finishing second. You know, there's no um, no disgrace finishing behind a guy that that broke the Masters record. I think Sanjay Ng would have won every Masters except about three with his score last week. So I just think he's sitting perfectly for this. Coming in at number three is a guy who makes a massive jump up our re-ranking. He actually moves up 98 places. And greens and reg, driving accuracy are two key stats for him. It's James Hahn, who in his last three finishes... 50th at the Houston Open, so not great. But before that, fifth and sixth, he's got momentum right now. Yeah, as I talked about at the top here, Diane, I'm only going with people that have incredible stats or people that have a ton of momentum. James Hahn, he looks so skinny. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's changed his diet. Um, But the stats don't lie. He's in the top 10 in driving accuracy. He's the top 10 in greens in reg. Um, He's also a very good putter. So... This is the style of course. When I played on tour, we didn't play this event. But when I think of this event, I sort of think of Disney. When we used to go to Disney, we'd play two courses and we knew the scoring was going to be good. And you don't necessarily need a ton of distance on this course. This is not a course that favors someone like a Dustin Johnson, who is not playing, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is more of a, what I would call medium range guy. He doesn't really get in a lot of trouble because he doesn't hit it that far. So it's just do it again, do it again, do it again. James Hahn fits the mold. He's an unlikely guy at number three. However, stats don't lie. 
Okay. Um, another guy who, when you look at all the names, you may think a little bit unlikely. However, when you dive deep and when you look at the fact that he almost secured a win in Vegas just a couple of weeks, Austin Cook is number four on our list. And again, just solid numbers across the board. Well, we're glad that he didn't win in Vegas, Diane, because the secret SG Tour report had Martin Laird, your fellow Scotsman, winning at 250 to 1. But Austin Cook won on this very course a few years ago, Diane. I remember seeing him for the first time on TV that week and watching him fade the ball and just completely dismantle this golf course. He putts so well. We saw it in Vegas. He's got great stats, top 50 in accuracy, uh, uh, top 15 in greens and reg, putts well, top 44. He's got to be feeling so confident going back to a golf course almost identical as the one that he just got beat in a runner-up in Vegas, pretty narrow, plenty of room to, you know, get his tee ball in play. So I think Austin Cook has got to be like, this is perfect for me. <laughs> and with momentum being such a big thing at this time of the year, then... You and 100 to, one, 100 to 1, if you're thinking of, along those terms, Diane, not many people are looking at uh, Austin Cook. And just to note as well, James Hahn, who was one place before him, is 125 to 1. So we've got a lot of value, especially in this top 10. So, so far, Russell Henley, Sung JM, James Hahn, and Austin Cook. Elk, coming in at number five, it's, um, it's almost like this course was made for this guy going on everything that you said. He lost in a playoff last year uh, to Austin Cook. And we have said that the course is kind of similar to Hilton Head for the RBC Heritage, a tournament that he won earlier this year. That is Webb Simpson. Yeah, Webb Simpson. I'm pretty sure he's a local boy down here uh, as well, Diane. He was second last year, as you noted. You know, a couple of months ago when the FedEx Cup was finishing, we had Webb Simpson totally locked at the top of our board. He, he was number one in putting. He was in the top 10 in driving, irons. He's still got good stats. He's top 10 in driving. His iron play is not as good. He's dropped out of that. He's a good scrambler. And his putting has dropped off. But I think this is just the medicine, Diane, to get back to a place he knows really well. We all know Webb Simpson's going to drive it straight, and we know he's going to put it on the green. Is he going to be able to handle that putter and get it in there? I think this is a course that he is going to be excited about. We saw him almost play well last week at Augusta. I think he had two and a half, three good rounds last week. So. Setting up real nice for Webb Simpson. What about his greens and regulation? Because um, as we say, you know, he hits the ball so straight off the tee. He's not a big hitter by any means. But greens and reg right now, he's 157th on the PGA Tour. Yeah, when you see that number, 157th from a guy who's normally top 10, two things come to my mind as a tour player. If I saw that, you would say... Maybe I'm playing way too aggressive. Maybe I'm trying to shoot at every pin and bouncing over, uh, missing on the short side, or, or, or maybe it's something technical, like it's a new set of irons that have too much spin that's not getting the sort of distance control that he, that he wants to. But he'll look at that number. He knows he's not 157. He's probably a top 20 guy on, on iron play. So maybe him and his caddy will just that. Look, let's get let's get to the fat of the green. Let's get our twenty foot game going. Yeah. And let's work from there. Yeah. Um, next up at number six is another guy who's won the RBC Heritage um, up at Hilton Head. He won in twenty nineteen and finished amazing at the Masters seventh. 
That is C.T. Pan. Yeah, C.T. Pan, you know, I haven't followed his career that much. I know he won at Hilton Head last year. Very similar golf course. But for him, he's not a very big guy. He doesn't hit the ball a, a long way. But last week, finishing in the top 10 in the Masters is an enormous confidence builder for him. I talked to the top about who's going to walk onto this course this week and play well automatically. I think C.T. Pan will feel very at home down there. His only win came on this Bermuda-style grass, uh, similar wind conditions. The whole environment is very similar to what he saw at Hilton Head. Uh, we could go his stats. He's right around the top 100 in driving, disc, driving accuracy and greens. He's a good scrambler and he's a good putter. But more importantly, the dial for confidence, if it was one out of five, is all the way jammed up at number five. And Vegas knows that because his odds are now 55 to one. And I bet you before that, <laughs> before the Masters for this week, they would have been way higher than that. <laughs> Next correct. up at seven is a guy who we picked as a dark horse for the Houston Open. And it paid off because he finished fifth that week. So again, momentum, didn't play the Masters, but we're all about Sepp Straka. Yeah, Sepp Strucker um, had a great finish there at uh, Houston, top five, really hard golf course. Yeah. Guys were chipping the balls all over the place. So what 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 learned from him playing well at Houston? We learned that he's disciplined. He's willing to play away from the flag. He plays the week-long game as opposed to blow up. I had Pat Perez on this very show, and he was uh, – he was not able to keep his cool at Houston and he chipped himself out of the tournament. Yeah. So when you start to see these young players, Diane, like Sepp, who's starting to emerge and starting to become more confident with his game, he's got to be feeling really good about his performance and Houston. Um, and I think he's got good stats. He puts good. He, he scrambles good. Those are two that are really important because at this course, at the end of the day, um, it's how many birdies are you making every day? I mean, He's in the top 30 in making birdies. So he's a, he's a bit of a machine. If he hits it up there by the flag, he's aggressive, makes the putts. So I like that. Coming in at number eight, a guy that we've got a couple of stories about because we know his coach, Bradley Hughes, but Harold Varner III. Now, he actually lives in Jacksonville. I think he's got a house here in Jacksonville. And I was talking to someone the other day who watches our show and who likes to, uh, you know, put those golf bets in, knows Harold Varner and said he just needs to put four good rounds together. And I'm like, that's what we've been saying this whole time. But Harold Varner III in at number eight, last three finishes, 15th, missed the cut. 13th so he's creeping around and it sounds so simple just to say he's got to play well for four days and that's it yeah Harold Varner we've seen him when the pandemic came back all the way back at the colonial where he led that tournament for three days it seems yeah. like he just he rushes out of the and then he's working on things with our uh, coach friend Bradley Hughes contributor of Secret Golf who's working with Oh, yeah, I think he's got 50 guys now that he's working with, particularly working with Harold Varner's foot action. He doesn't like the way Harold pops that right foot up, and that gets him a little bit of trouble with his tee shots and some of his irons. But I'm high on this guy because Bradley Hughes is high on this guy. He's working hard. He's got down what he, uh, almost like Brendan Todd, he's, in that, he's been working hard with Bradley Hughes. He's in the side of the country where he lives. Mm -hmm. I just think things line up and he putts good. He makes a lot of birdies, top 40, hits a lot of greens. It's time for Harold to 
jump in the mix, Diane. Yeah. Uh, we play great in Vegas too. Um, that's where he got that 13th place finish. So it's only a matter of time for him. Um, Jason Kokrak comes in at number nine, who won in Vegas the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. Then the following week, the Zozo at Sherwood finished 17th. He played in his first Masters, missed a cut. We knew that it's something that he'd been looking forward to for a long time. But I don't think that's going to slow him down at all because this is one of those courses, um, birdie average for Kokrak. He's ninth on the PGA Tour. Makes a ton of birdies. I was texting with uh, Jason uh, at the Masters last week. I said, mate, don't forget that you've got two things that everybody wants. You've got mega distance. He's probably one of the top five uh long on tour mm -hmm. and mega confidence those two things you've got and honestly diane being a rookie at the masters and missing the cut that's no big deal so i think all that energy is still right there for him he played a very disciplined game when he won the cj cup in vegas he hit he's one of the longest on the pga tour he laid up almost the whole week mm -hmm. did it with his wedges and did it with his putting i was so proud of him and talked about it on the phone, that he did it a different way. He thought he was going to smash it down there and win the tournament uh, like a gorilla, like a Hulk. <laughs> but he did it. He did it with touch. He did it with wedges. He did it with irons off the tee. He did it with his brain right here. So his first win came with something that's not his strength. So I'm very happy where Jason Kokrak's sitting. And then coming in at number 10 is a guy that is jumping out as an early favourite with a lot of people this week. He's 28 to 1 and there are so many reasons why. First of all, in this fall season alone, he has won just shy of $1 million already. Finished T4 at the US Open. Harris English, who also lives in Sea Island. So, of course, he's right up there. I'm very big on these local guys. Yeah. And of course, Harris English, he's been playing good anyway, but top 30 in birdies. Top 30 in birdies means when you walk out the door, Diane, you go to the golf course, they're, they're almost going to give you four or five birdies in your pocket right out of the gate. Yeah. So I take Harris English, put him on a course that he plays almost every day in the off season. He knows exactly what to do, exactly what not to do. And he's been playing and he's got great stats. Uh -huh. So... This is no big surprise. In fact, we have him 10. A lot of people I've seen this week have him at number one. Yeah. But um, we love English. Well, we're, we're data. We're all about the data and the momentum, that whole kind of intangible side. But when you look at his stats, it's hard to put him at number one when he's 184th greens in reg. And he's played a lot in the fall, as we say, you know. So he's made a lot of money, but that's the, the troubling stat for him. Yeah, when you see the 184, we talked about this earlier with Webb Simpson, <clears throat> and you have one of the top players on the tour have a, in a short season so far, we haven't accumulated a lot of stats, but I see that 184, it comes from either playing too aggressive, mm -hmm. making errors, you only have to miss two or three greens more than you would normally each day to make that stat look terrible. So they'll know that. They'll know that they may have to back off being aggressive. Of course, no one was uh, more aggressive when I started hitting it well. There was two things for me, Diane. If I was hitting my irons really well and I was chipping well, because I, I, never, I, I never always chip good, but when I chip good, it made me hit every iron shot at the, green, at the pin because if it went over or in this terrible spot, I knew I could get it up and down. And he's good chipper. So um, I think it's maybe too aggressive.
The good thing for English as well is that if he does miss the green, he's 49th in scrambling. So, you know, obviously being a good chipper, he can get himself out of trouble and get himself up and down. So he completes no, our top 10. Most importantly for him, Diane, he plays this golf course with all those other tour players. They play for money and they know where to hit it on all these tolls. That's the big advantage. So let's run through that top 10. Fully, Russell Henley, Sung J.M., James Han, Austin Cook, Webb Simpson, C.T. Pan, Sepp Straka, Harold Varner III, Jason Kokrak and Harris English. So Elk, summarise very quickly. What's it going to take to do well this week on this course? about getting that magic score way under par 18 under the lead will somewhere will be about 10 or 11 under at the, at the halfway mark the cut will fall at four under my money is on some i think he's going to play the best uh starting tomorrow jumping in now is our we're going to start calling him the dark horse because <laughs> He's been killing it with his picks every week. Jay Kaplan, thank you for coming back on. Jay, who picked Cameron Smith as his dark horse pick for the Masters, and he only finished second. Yeah, and he, you know, he didn't get off to a great start Thursday. The first time I checked, he was, uh, I think, two over, one over. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, here we go. This is the end of my streak. <laughs> and uh, closed the app, reopened it to refresh. Maybe that would work. And Lo and behold, not only did he make some noise Friday and Saturday, but he stayed in contention. If that, if you can call it contention, he was there. But he did finish second, which is great. And, uh, yeah, I seem to have a light, nice little run going on the uh, Dark Horse picks. You have three top fives in a row. Yeah. I wish I was on the money list. Uh, you know, I feel I feel like I'd have a new lifestyle, but yeah. I'll just keep doing my research and hopefully serving everybody out there as well as I can. Okay, well, we're going to move on to those dark horse picks in a little while. But first up, our sizzlers for the RSM Classic in Sea Island, Georgia this week. Now, we had Harris English completing our top 10 of guys in the win zone. And... One of the main reasons, well, his phenomenal play of late, but he lives there. So we are ranking that pretty highly this week because this is an area where a lot of PGA Tour players live, but they play this course all the time. So our first sizzler is a guy who moves up 30 spots in our re-ranking. He's only 50 to one. I thought there might be a little bit more value with him, but we're talking Brian Harmon. Amazing form, Jay, but what is it about Harmon that we're really looking at? Well, as you said, he's this is a we're we're giving some of these guys the home course advantage. Yeah. And uh, if you equate it to how we do odds in football, you get three points uh, on a point spread to be a, for the home team. He comes in playing well. He's right. We have him ranked 14th in form. Uh, he's been very good off the tee. His main struggle is putting average. And what we like to say with these sizzlers and even the dark horses, which we'll touch on later, is what is that one stat that they can overcome? For Brian Harmon, it's going to be putting average. Get on the green, make some putts. He should be in contention. One thing I worry about this home course advantage, Diane, is sometimes it has the reverse effect, that if you don't get off to a good start, you think, this is the place I'm most comfortable and uh, I'm not off to the start that I want. They start to put a little bit of pressure on them and then maybe do some things they shouldn't do. 
But with Brian Harmon, the lefty, I think he's going to be fine this week. So we have him rising in our rankings. The thing about Harmon, and I get it, there's that kind of like back and forth with home course advantage. But I think with his putting stat, because he plays the course so often, he knows where he needs to hit it on the green. So I think that that number... Um, 100 seconds in putting average. I think that will definitely move up this week in his stats because there is that familiarity with where you need to put it on the green here. So Brian Harmon, the first of our sizzlers. Our second sizzler is another guy who lives in Sea Island. He's a secret golf contributor and putting is his strength. So as we said earlier with Elk, Scoring is going to be low. You've got to hit the green. You've got to make the putt. And this guy, that's in his wheelhouse. Patton Kazire, 125 to 1 this week. Really good odds. And, uh, you know, we've been waiting for this guy to turn the corner. He won uh, two events. Uh, but it's been some time where he's kind of struggled just to stay consistent. Yeah. If he's going to get it right, it's going to be here. He's 28th in putting on tour. Everybody knows this guy's an amazing putter. Uh, he's this long, tall, skinny Southern dude, real layback. Uh, we've done a lot of stuff with him. So we're, we're, we're huge fans of Patton. Let's just say this out front. Um, but he's going to be, again, it's a home course advantage. He knows the greens well. He's going to make putts. Can get off the tee. Right now we have him at 141. Uh, in driving accuracy, he's at 183 in scrambling. So tee to green is his problem. Now, he knows where to hit it. He knows the conditions. We think this is going to be the week where we really see him stay consistent through all four rounds. So I really like Patton because I especially at 125 to 1. Yeah, the, the crazy wayward tee shot is definitely Patton's downfall. But that one stat, if he can get that together this week, I think at 125 to 1, he's a great value bet. Maybe not even for an outright win, but for like a top 10 finish, I would rank Patton pretty highly up there. And our third sizzler is, well, he played the Masters last week and played brilliantly, finishing 19th in his first trip around Augusta National. Before that, 14th, and before that, 9th. So current form, we're ranking Sebastian Munoz pretty highly. And this is a guy who can putt. Comes in ranked 7th in form. Uh, that's a big number. And, and as Elk alluded to earlier, Momentum is so big on tour, and this guy comes in playing really well. He's a phenomenal putter. His birdie average is 30th on tour. He uh, comes in ranked 50th in putting average, which is really good. Uh, his issues become scrambling and greens and regulation. So if he misses the green, he's got a hard time recovering. This Course is a little more forgiving. Elks alluded to it being a, a scores course. We expect low scores. It's not going to surprise me this week when Munoz starts climbing the leaderboard and stays there. He's a guy that just seems like he's in the flow of his season. And as this season starts to wrap up, not only do I look for him to play well this week, I think it's going to catapult him into a great 2021. I like him for next year, but I also like him rising this week, Diane. Yeah, I bet my bottom dollar that he is going to be oh. in contention at some point. 
Okay, <laughs> Annie. <laughs> so our three sizzlers are Brian Harmon, Patton Kazire, and Sebastian Munoz. Right, I need to explain something very quickly, just if people are new to the show or whatever. But what we do is we re-rank the entire field. So we look at their official world golf ranking. We rank that in relation to the field. And then we do our own re-ranking based on the skill set required to do well on the course and the player's individual stats. Fizzlers are, you know, it, it's never nice to say like, this is someone that we do not think is going to play well, but we, they're big names that just fall down the ranking. And when we looked for them this week, it was like, there was five big names who were coming off the back of the masters. And it's just glaringly obvious how far down they fall. It's a weird one. Um, the, the, we were not, we're not going to go into like too much detail for all of them, but what I will say is Terrell Hatton, who's 27th in our re-ranking. Um, field ranking, he comes in at number two, so it's a big fall down for him. Justin Rose comes in at 50th in our re-ranking. That's down 42 places, and this is all based on player stats. It's strange. I mean, one interesting thing is, let's go back to regular times, yeah. all right? We'll go pre-COVID. The Masters, everything builds up from January to March to the Masters. Every guy starts to get his game toward that schedule. They play the Masters, and then they take a vacation the next week to Harbor Island, and they play uh, um, at Harbor Town. Yeah. And... Uh, Guys will say, why not? It's two hours away. I'll go down there. I'll play a little bit, make a little bit of money. So let's take it now this week. It's been such an odd season, right? It's November. The Masters happen. And now there's a tournament the following week uh, in Sea Island, which isn't that far away. A little bit different than the traditional visit. So the guys on this list, that's the long-winded version of me saying the guys on this list, you're going to see a common trait. You know what that trade is, Diane? You have the sheet. What does it look like? The, the common trait is, what, that they just don't really care too much? <laughs> well, part of it. <laughs> I think the fact that, Diane, the common trait here is these guys are all foreign-born players. You're going to think we're picking on them, and I'm an American, <laughs> and you're going to get upset because they're, you're, you're, uh, obviously you're not from here. You have that slight accent that gives it away. But this week with Terrell Hatton, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Jason Day, the Australian, it, they're such huge names and regular guys, uh, regular contenders on tour. It's surprising to see them here. Yeah. But what, what we factored in is we don't think they care as much this week, that they're kind of in that mind, hey, why not? I'll just drive over there. I'll go play. And so we dock them for their uh elk has a saying we give a you know what meter i'm, not <laughs> I'm a nice person but uh yeah their attitudes may not be where they need to be to compete this week yes. so we've really penalized them this way and the thing is you look at big names and you think oh wow the rsm classic it's not like a huge wgc event or like a, a major these guys have all won big events or they've all contended at majors so let's pick them but um, Jason Day is one name I want to look at a little bit closer because when we do the re-ranking, stats alone, he came in at 102nd. And you think like 65 and ties makes the cut. 102nd. There's no green 
across his whole entire line. It's all orange, which, you know, 155th in accuracy, 165th greens in reg, 196th in putting average, and he missed a cut at the Masters. It's very hard to think that Jason Day could be a contender this week. It's shocking, actually. In fact, you and I, before we were uh, started recording the show, I thought these might be typos. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, I hate to say it like this, but he is atrocious right now, statistically speaking. Uh, it's solid red across our chart. Um, he's had a, if you're going to take a head to head bet, <laughs> this is a guy I'd be going against to make easy money uh, based on these stats. He's still 25 to one yeah. in Vegas. Vegas is off on this guy. Um, hard to believe, but you know, a lot of these guys that are on our fizzle list uh, suffer some of the same uh, things. There's, there's just a lot of red on these guys. It's, it's rather shocking actually with their names involved. But the other thing is, is when you have a player of Jason Day's caliber, you think he can pull it out of the bag. And just looking at his last three finishes, missed cut at the Masters, finished seventh before that and 60th before that. So it just shows that like, so talented, so skillful. We know that his back's always been an issue, but if he's healthy, then we know that he can go out there and post more rounds. But statistically speaking, when we look at the data and we look at this course, it's not looking good for Day. Would it surprise me to ever see Jason Day playing? Well, of course not. The guy's a major winner. and uh, But i he's another guy, like, for the life of me, I don't see why he's playing in this event. He must be doing somebody a favor. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> to finish up the HG Tour report today, we are going to be looking at dark horse picks. We have two names for you. Jay has been a nightmare this week, let me just tell you, before we started the show, because he keeps changing. And dude, you have to stick with what you know. You've had three top five finishes in a row with your dark horse pick. I have no idea who you're going to pick. So have you decided on one? I have. And you know, it's unlike me. Usually the dark horse jumps right out and I, I have the gut feeling, and I never changed. And this week I went, I was all, all over the board, but I kept being influenced by everybody because Elk kept saying, how about this guy? How about that guy? And I'd be like, he's not this, he's not that. And then all of a sudden he's telling me about their emotional well, And I'm like, just give me the stats. So finally, this morning, I woke up and I'm pouring through the data, and I come across a guy with a very unique name, and I'm sure there's a great story and I'm ready to release it. Okay, right. Well, I'm just going to tease mine by saying he's 400 to 1, FYI. So this will be a fun okay. pick. But my guy that I'm going to start with is 400 to 1 this week. We keep saying that this course is kind of similar to the RBC Heritage at Hilton Head. This guy won it in 2018. A huge jump up our stats um, or up our re-ranking when we look at his stats. And he's 12th in accuracy on the whole PGA Tour. I am talking Satoshi Kadaira, Japanese golfer, seven wins on the Japan Tour, one on the PGA Tour at 400 to one. He is my guy. Look, Diane, you keep giving me love on my dark horse picks, which I obviously rightly deserve. However, if I'm not mistaken, you've picked a winner as a dark horse in the past, have you not? At 250 to one, so. Yeah, so you're still living large off your payday. 
Mine this week uh, was a little bit of a struggle. Normally these jump out at me, these dark horse picks. This one was kind of under the radar radar. I mean, like way under the radar. He has a name that I kept looking at and thinking this magical story where his parents were on the moon and they commenced their marriage and they decided since they were staying at the Wyndham that they'd name their kid the Wyndham. Wyndham Clark is my dark horse my dark horse well if you haven't been paying attention uh he finished in lost in a playoff to brian gay in bermuda finished 13th at the shriners one thing i like about this guy he is long seventh in uh driving distance accuracy off the tees his problem but he putts he's young he's been competing i really 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 like this guy he's a playoff player he made the playoffs of the fedex playoffs Wyndham Clark is my dark horse pick. So get your tickets in. You're going to win a little bit of money if you lay it on the Dude, line with him. You copped out because he's not a dark horse. I'm telling you right now. He can't have lost in a playoff just a couple of weeks ago and finished 13th a few weeks before that. 100 to 1 qualifies as a dark horse. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm going to stick with my guy. So don't forget, the show goes out as a TV show on the Sports Grid Network every Wednesday at 2pm Eastern. And then it's repeated at 3, 10 and 11. We go through all the picks and, well, it's just a little bit more information for, well, if you like your numbers and your stats, if you like your data, then it's definitely worth watching the show. But thank you for listening to the podcast. Hopefully it helps you with your picks for the RSM Classic and whether you're doing like DraftKings, fantasy lineups or placing bets. Hopefully you'll get some winners and make some money. Next week, there's actually no PGA Tour event because it's Thanksgiving week and then the fall following it's Maya Koba and then it's pretty much coming to an end for 2020 but we will be back with you then Sports Social Podcast Network It is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.